Hello, this is Daryl here, sending love as always. Thank you for tuning in. I just want to say, if you like this interview, you can check our website for companion workbooks, action guides, tools, checklists, templates, and show notes with links for everything mentioned on the call. Just visit bestbusinesscoach.ca. That's best, B-E-S-T, businesscoach.ca. Enjoy. Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining us. My name is Daryl Urbanski, your host as always. And today we are joined by Dr. D. Anthony Miles, a renowned entrepreneur, researcher, and best-selling author. As CEO of Miles Development Industries Corporation, he's, an, he's a national startup and marketing guru. Featured on ABC, CBS, NBC, and CNN, he's also a respected legal expert witness and a member of the American Statistical Association. Dr. Miles has showcased his groundbreaking breaking research at institutions like Stanford and Harvard, with three best-selling books under his belt, including the anticipated How to Get Away with Murder and Marketing. He's a sought-after voice in business. Whether it's media, research, or entrepreneurship, Dr. Miles is a true trailblazer. I've asked him to join us here today for his second interview on our show to discuss navigating these uncertain times. Dr. Anthony, thank you so much for joining us. How are you doing? I'm good. How you doing, Daryl? Thanks for yeah. having me again. I appreciate being on your show again. Long yeah. time update. Yeah, I know. It's been a minute. So a lot's happened since the first interview. Now, I actually went through our first interview not that long ago in preparation for this. And a lot of that stuff is still evergreen. It's still timeless. Lunch. It's still, you know, it still works today just like before. So anyone that's interested, maybe go check that out. But let's talk about what's new in terms of we're post-COVID now. What do you think are the key, what do you think are the most important changes business owners need to be aware of? One of the important changes that they need to be aware of is obviously AI is becoming a part of things. And the COVID situation was a game changer. A lot of people still recovering from the COVID change in terms of risk to the business and risk to their profitability. But also there's just a shift in the, it's a paradigm shift now. A lot of people start their business based use based on using platforms like say Uber, where they're more they're really not business owners. They're more like solopreneurs. They don't have overhead. They don't have anything to be concerned about in terms of that. But they're solopreneurs, and we have a uh, paradigm shift where people want to work for themselves. And we also have the remote work revolution. People don't want to go into the office. So we had this culture of entrepreneurship that just a, just a, has exploded. People yeah. want to not be in the office. They want to work out of their home, which is almost like being an entrepreneur. You work it out of your home. You're not going in the office. So right now, the thing, people are wanting to work for themselves now. That's the, we have a trend where people want to work for themselves, not work in the office. They want to work at home. And we have platforms like Uber, Favor. I always get confused by that website where you do solo contract work. So we have a new explosion of entrepreneurship, but not the traditional way of being business owners. You're mm. more like, a, I guess, a self-contractor, but you're still an entrepreneur. You're just a different classification. You don't have overhead. You just basically, if you have a computer at your house, you can pretty much make money. So right. that's what we got going. And I really like this, this paradigm shift that we're having, this new trend. How you tell a guy to work for you at hours, he gets two contracts, work, gets four times the salary, and so he has to stay at your job eight hours. He can get two contracts to work half the time. How do you how how does a guy like that want to work for you? 
And that's right. where we're Delaware right now. Right. I agree. I also have seen that. So I, at the time, I'm in the Philippines at the time of this recording. And I know yes. here, everybody's demanding higher wages now across the board. Uh -huh. That's a lot of that's yeah. because when remote work, I think part, in some ways it's good because I believe the battle between free markets and communism, socialism, is really one between freedom and equality. And in, a, in, a, in an equal society, no one is free, but in a free society, sometimes you get generational advantages, which isn't really good for anyone. Nobody likes a monopoly. Nobody likes hanging on hold and being treated like crap by a big corporation. So what's Absolutely. great about this is that the explosion of all these, all this competition essentially is that there's that competition is going to let the excellence lead the way, right? So everyone can recognize excellence. And I think in some ways that's a fantastic thing. Cause just like with these tools like Uber and that, like the, the best service providers get the most stars, get the most right. And everybody yeah, and everyone benefits. So I think that there's a real win in that. And also with, if it's remote, now you're not just based in your town for the small business owner, where if you're running, if you're, if you got a, if you got a garage, you're a mechanic, you got a garage yeah. and you are a local brick and mortar business, but you want to have top knowledge, top quality staff. Now with everyone being comfortable working remote, you can look for the best staff within your budget wherever, right? Like way where before you need the, the guy or girl that sat at the desk, like that kind of thing. And so I think I agree. I agree. That's a great, that's a great one. What are some of the other trends? We talked about the paradigm shift in terms of the gig economy and the re remote work revolution. Do you see any other trends? This thing with AI, Gerald, is really scaring people. I don't know. I, I forgot the name. Of the I think it's called CHAP, H-E-C. I can never G remember the GPT. name. GPT. Yeah, there you go. Why that hurts other industries is a lot of industries are based on knowledge. And if somebody could type in a computer to get with, with knowledge and they don't have to go to another person, that person is uh, obsolete. And we saw this coming some years ago. And one of the things is, why do you call it human resources? Why it's easy to lay people off? Because people are human resource. That right. means you can be replaced. Why do you think you know, after the Industrial Revolution, when we came, when we United States were leading, was leading in manufacturing, if somebody got sick, you plug another person there. Now the trend is temporary work. People work on a temporary basis, and now because of the threat of AI, a lot of jobs are going to be lost. People in the education field are going to be affected. And it used to be professors held the key to knowledge, and they were the gatekeepers. Then the internet happened, and I was a professor. And students can challenge your knowledge because they, they can get up-to-date information with the click of a mouse and Google. Now AI takes that a step further. So AI has a threat of really, they call it, it's that term they call it, when you have a paradigm shift, when something new displaces the old thing, they call it creative destruction. Mm. Anytime a new thing does, the Schumpeter came up with that, the economist Schumpeter, he's all famous for that. Anytime new technology comes out, it displaces the old paradigm, and a lot of people don't can't make the transition to the new paradigm, so that means people become obsolete and useless. Mm. I'm going to say useless, no longer useful. Right. Yes. And that's, that's why the uproar about AI is happening. Right. Uh, People don't need to read books. They just type in AI, get information, AI, show you how to do it. That's very dangerous. Very right. dangerous. It's dangerous because who's got the keys to that as well? I, I had a past guest on our show. Listen, I'm not going to try to tell anyone what to think about anything, but to try to be topical and also for my own knowledge, I tried to figure out who's maybe one of the best people to interview about 
these vaccines that were rolled out. And I found yep. a guy named Dr. Robert Malone, who published the first paper on M how mRNA could be used as a vaccine technology. In fact, I think he published the first three of five papers on the subject, oh, eight, wow. 1989 to 93. And he's also a Harvard Medical School grad on the honor roll, I think, in global clinical trials. So I had him on my podcast. And when we released the podcast, a really strange thing happened. Usually when I release interviews, my downloads go up, but somehow I released this one and my downloads went down. And that's just oh, a really wow. strange phenomenon. And I think there's been a lot of talk about that. So when you talk about AI scaring people, at least for me, I can't speak for everyone. I agree. Some people are scared. It's that part. It's who's controlling what knowledge is available and not. I actually find there's Bard is Google's and ChatGPT is the other. And I find I can ask some questions in one that I cannot ask in the other and vice versa. So I actually have Absolutely. to go between them. And that's a really scary thing to a certain extent, because this is like, 1984 thought police almost to a certain there's no hate speech uh, stuff that makes sense nothing illegal but i, I know yeah, i'm rambling yeah. but i do want to say one more thing though about ai scaring people calculators were disruptive too because before calculators yeah, came out you had yeah, bookkeepers and accountants and they would have to do the math themselves and then calculators came out and it was a more effective tool and the productive ones became more productive and the non-productive ones lost their excuse for why it took them so long to do two plus two equals four and I think we're in that scenario again, where we have to start focusing less on the activities that we do and more on the problems that we're solving for people. And I think that's- I, a totally, I totally agree with that. I totally agree with it because calculators, remember, you also forgot the spreadsheets came out. Thought a lot of accountants were going to lose. Then TurboTax and software like that came out. And then what they found out, Daryl, you hit upon this a little bit. They found it okay. If TurboTax comes out on software like that, then I can shift my focus to business because TurboTax is not that great with business, I don't think. Are they still working on it? If you got a yep. guy that you do business with, that's not going to change anything because he'd rather just give you all the receipts and then QuickBooks and all that. But see, QuickBooks is a real technical program. Yeah, you can go do it yourself, but the IRS will probably send you a, a notice saying your taxes are wrong. And then you got to pay a penalty. That's why you have to come and go to a professional. So the software made their jobs easier. I wouldn't say it took their jobs. It made it easier. And again, their tools yeah. to make your job, like you said, be more productive. Yeah. And the goal is to be productive, turn around clients, yeah. not restrict your access to technology or be like the guy riding a horse and all like cars coming out. You can't do that. Yeah. You have to ride with the wave of technology and, and use it as a tool to make more money for you. Yeah. And now I was going to shift to this why AI, colleges and universities already prepare themselves for AI, and, and students have been using AI to do papers. What the colleges and universities are doing, offering training on how to catch students using AI to write papers. What they're doing is they're using uh, tools like Turnitin, or there's another tool that will catch AI. Because what's a guy lazy if he don't want to write a paper? What does he do? Puts it in AI, copy and paste it in a Word doc, and they have software that can detect if it's AI generated. And they're telling students, if we catch you, there will be dire consequences. Mm. That's but that's how AI can be used. It can be used to shortcut the learning process. I don't know if that's necessarily a good thing, but you should know how to write. You should know how to com com construct a sentence and support a paper. Yeah. If you just want to copy and paste and use AI, did you really learn anything? But how do you tell a guy that? Yeah. Lazy? You really hit the yeah. nail on the head because 
in school you get punished for plagiarism and then when you get out yep. into the real world you pay to copy the franchise so what's yep. up with that and i think the difference is the, <laughs> the purpose and the intent and one is you're in school to learn and almost like an exercise like i can get in a car and i can drive 100 miles an hour if i want but the purpose of doing track and field is not necessarily to go 100 miles an hour it's to push my body to its peak potential and this is the same thing well, with school. This is why the penalties for using AI, right? Because you're not yes. pushing your mind. You're not flexing that muscle. And listen, animals that don't move have smaller brains. If you have a car well, and you never take it anywhere, good. you don't need an engine. You don't need an engine block. You don't need a drivetrain. You don't need brakes. You don't need wheels. You don't need turn signals. And it's that same thing that you need to preserve that. So I, I like what you said about that, that you're talking oh, about how they're cracking down. Absolutely. There, you take a test online. Here's another example, Gerald. If you take a say multiple choice test online and say you copy and paste the question and the answers and AI can pick you the answer for you. That's that's where we're at with this. Yeah. Colleges and universities are, are I would say they're more scared than the rest of the industry because they see a paradigm shift and they don't like it. Sorry, who's scared? The universities? You say? Yeah, the universities are scared because knowledge is easy accessible. I don't yeah. have to read a chapter. I just copy, paste it in AI, and it gives me the answer. I didn't have to read. I didn't have to gain anything, and I made an A on the test. Yeah. And how's the teacher going to verify that? Yep. Yeah. I mean, students are very sophisticated and cheating. Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, I see students with all kinds of stuff, Daryl. Have two computers up if you take online tests. Have a because they have software that can check if you're checking the answer. So, what they do is set up a separate computer that's not connected to the other computer, and they can type, copy it, and email themselves or whatever, and go type it on the other computer, type it in AI, get the answer, ace the test. Yeah, yeah. So, what, yep. what knowledge acquisition was gained? Oh. Got an A. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So, what are some um, of the skills that you think are most going to be most important? moving into the future? What I see right now, and I'm just speaking at it, I think it's at the probably infancy stage of the use of AI. Writing intensive industries, editors, writers, industries like that. You don't need editors anymore. Yeah, my book was 500 pages, man. I pay an editor a good grip to edit my paper, my manuscript. What if I typed it and put it in AI? AI cleaned up and I type it back and put it in my manuscript, but I didn't have to use editors. Yeah. That's why this is scary. The in, the writing industry is going to be affected tremendously. Any industry that's re, that uses writing, creative writing, like scripts for movies, books, poetry, right. technical manuals, books, all those things are threatened by the uh, emergence of AI. So what do you think are some of the skills that people should try to develop to hedge against hedge against? I'm, I'm kind of doing research in that right now, some scares, some what I would say, based on what I'm doing right now and probably the beginning part of the research is try to find a way that you can use AI as a tool to benefit you. What we said previously with the calculators came into the market, spreadsheets, QuickBooks, how can we take this and use it as a tool to make money? What it can do is open up new markets that weren't there before. So what you want to do when you have something like AI come along is try to find a way to find new opportunities for you to make money. That way you're not stuck in the old paradigm where it, it really just interfere with your ability to make money. You can 
you know, you can use AI in a different way. And there's people that are, I don't know if you've seen these on YouTube and other advertisements, they're saying that, well, we can show you how to make a million dollars using AI. I haven't seen, I haven't read any of the materials on this, but I'm sure they're probably onto something. The goal is not to get scared, get scared and then get busy, and then yeah. use that to say, okay, how can I make money on this? If yeah. I'm going to use AI to be a, a writer, I don't need an editor. That saves me money. That's probably not good because that editor that I've been using for years, they need to make money, so maybe I can use them in a different way. Maybe I could make their job less easier and still have them edit and those type of things. But again, my answer to your question is you have to find a way to use it as a tool and, and find new ways to use it as a tool and open up new opportunities for yourself, maybe new markets. Yeah, I think uh, entrepreneurial mindset is, is more important than ever and specialization also because yeah. the general stuff Absolutely. is really easy. And I, I think it's important to acknowledge that AI, like a lot of people talk about, like we've created artificial intelligence, we've created a new form of life and that. There's a great book called The Beginning of Infinity by David Deutsch. He's the godfather of quantum computing. And he is a great, where he talks about what we are as humans, we create new knowledge. And that's like our value. We're knowledge seekers and we create new knowledge. And sometimes we get stuck in static societies where there's no development, no evolution per se, but then we have these amazing growth periods of growth. And AI is not really creating anything new per se, right? And they're not, I know they say there's nothing new under the sun, but we basically turned yeah. sand into intelligence. I think yeah. that's something that we did as humans. And if people don't get what I mean, we use sand to make silicone, which becomes silicone chips, which becomes computers, which now is AI. So we essentially turned sand into intelligence. And AI is not doing that kind of thing, right? They're not creating anything new they're learning from us and then giving us back what we've given it in different combinations and faster and more better yeah. ai yeah. is like the new etch a sketch you just put in and it gives you something back yeah and you may find it useful absolutely yeah. don't you think ai zero is an extension of people typing and stuff in google that's actually a form of ai yeah i agree i agree with that a lot of people don't realize it but we're already cyborgs in the We're sense already that, using AI. We just not using it to this full extent. How many times have you seen people didn't know anything? Remember we used to go to Yellow Pages? Yeah. yeah. No, people don't do that. Now they go, let me Google it and see. Yeah. Google could pretty much find anything for you. But now they have what meta data banks that are more bit a little bit more, I would say, complex than Google. Those are right. what I like to use. Meta data search engines. I could type in something, it uses Google, it uses everything that's on the internet about you. That's the form of AI. How would I have been able to do that had I not known about Google? Had I not been knowing about search engines? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think it's really important. So I think we've, we've talked about a couple of things. really important to prioritize self-education on various topics and our own yeah. research. I think there's also a really important, it's really important that we defend so here's something I heard that I think is true when it comes about AI. And I didn't necessarily know if we were going to talk all about AI, but it is a pertinent issue. And that is the danger of censorship and the importance of things like, like our constitutional rights, things like the Magna Carta and habeas corpus, habeas corpus. These principles are really important and truth is really important, universal truths, because we don't go out and hunt down all the apes in the jungle and kill them, right? No. There is poaching. And we do displace animals when we build, but we aren't seeking them out. There's no army of hunters out to slaughter them all. But when you train something like AI to censor, I talked about earlier how I had a guest and I published that content and it was suppressed. 
That is an AI that is a seek out and destroy bot. It is seek out and destroy. And that is oh, why wow. we have to be super careful because there's lots of people that talk about where's the best place to hide a dead body on the second page of Google. So whatever yeah. Google chooses to give you as those 16 first search results, like you'll yeah. see there's out of millions of pages. This is what Google wants you to see and know. Wikipedia has now been politicized. We're the keys to that. All these fact-checking websites. I oh, saw wow. this great- got Wikipedia's been compromised now? Oh, wow. Wikipedia has definitely it. been compromised. People have their pages locked. Donors get exp donors get a say in what happens on Wikipedia, which maybe makes sense because they're helping fund it. But when it comes down to politics or censoring certain scientists or just opinions on things that you don't like, patent threatening technology, there's a lot of different reasons. So I think there's an importance that we have to keep our eye on human rights and our constitutional rights and defend those as well as we march into the future, because it's almost like iRobot, like the three rules that they came up with to protect humanity. That's that's what there's it. never been flourishing of humanity. There has been essentially since the U.S. got founded. That's we've more people have been lifted out of poverty since then. And before before we really had a true and yes, we have crony capitalism, but it's the most freest market we've had so far that I'm aware of. And I could be yeah. wrong. But before then, it was kings and peons. And then the middle classics came out. And that was because of free markets and, and capitalism, basically. And Absolutely. so we got to be careful as people talk about universal basic income and all this. People are worried about their careers. I think I agree with you on that, that it's it, that what you said before about disciplining ourselves and our skills for doing our own research, education, being able to think critically, right? So we can avoid being manipulated. There's all sorts of we propaganda. We have to have a good attitude about it. I'm going to check real quick, Daryl. I like what you said. I like Warren Buffett's philosophy. You have to be a contrarian. If something comes out everybody's scared of, you should embrace it. Yeah. You should, how can I use this to build the next market? How can I use this to open up opportunities for myself? How can I use this to create a new stream of money and, and uh, revenue or, or wealth for myself? Yeah. We had to be contrarian sometimes because if we follow the herd, we get everything that they get, but there's got to be a contrary uh, view of this. How right. can I use this new tool, new technology? to open up opportunities and new markets for myself. Yeah. Being afraid could be framed, reframed as being cautious and said, okay, I'm going to learn this and I'm going to find out everything I need to know about it and I'm going to find out what I, where it's strong and where it's weak and I'm going to figure out how I can position myself to meet those things where they're weak and may yeah. create opportunities for myself. So that's oh, yeah. what's, that's what's important what you were saying. We have a lot of fear right now in uncertain times. We got our election system is real crazy right now. Yeah. We have people uh, really on the edge. People don't know what the future is going to look like. And again, we live in uncertain times and AI is not helping it. It's probably hurting it a little bit, but yep. we got to learn anytime there's something new come out, doesn't mean it's a threat. It just means change. Yeah. Change is, is two people don't change, stupid people and dead people. Okay. Yeah. How can yeah. we take change and make it work for us? And people don't like change. People like change gradually. They don't like uh, immediate change. Yeah. And again, if we can take what comes out that's new and be a contrarian and go where every go where no man has gone before, not follow the crowd, not listen to the news networks to tell us this is bad. There's opportunity in everything, believe it or not, Daryl. Yep. Those are the true entrepreneurs. Anytime you have a paradigm shift, there's people that's going to get left behind. There's people that are going to make adjustments to the uh, new paradigm shift, like Doranism, it's 
social Darwinism, the survival of the fittest. The people yeah. that can make the shift are going to survive. The people they can are going to get left behind. Yeah, I, I agree with all that 100%. I think that there's a real merit to that as well. Talking about adapting to change, a lot of people were like, some things are, are just accepted. And some things we debate because we need to debate them. Nobody debated indoor plumbing. No right. one was like, hey, I've got these materials and I know how to set it up where you don't need a bucket in your house anymore. Or you don't need to walk into the, nobody, there was no politics around that. Everybody wanted a toilet that flushed and worked. Like indoor plumbing was fantastic. And so that's where as things come and problems come up, that's the opportunity for someone to try and save, to try to try to fix it and make themselves a lot of money in the process. I think that's a really good point. It's a really, oh, really yes. good point. If we can become contrarians by nature, not say it on embrace change, but say, how can we use this as an advantage force i think you you have a better attitude about things when they change we all don't like change change involves discomfort yeah that means changing what i've been doing to what i gotta do now and everybody's not cool with change bottled water i would never drunk see people buy bottled water years ago that's the standard thing now buy a bottle yeah. of water to drink yeah that's what we're dealing with right now Hopefully, this new frontier of these new technological breakthroughs can offer us opportunities for, to make more money. Like I once alluded to earlier, we talked about the job, the remote work revolution. The goal now is to have multiple streams of income, not one source of income. Yeah. People working at a job is like having one client. You have a job, and you stay there for eight hours. You made money. However, you made linear income because your income is capped. However, yeah. we have multiple streams of income. I make money here, I make money there, and I made money more money per diem than I did working at somebody's job all day. Right. That's where we are. people are realizing that's the new way to be wealthy is to have multiple streams of income. Yeah, and I think it also comes down to using leverage in the terms Absolutely. of before we had technology, the only real forms of leverage were this comes from Naval. He talks about yeah. everything we used to be permission based, capital, money, and people. And either right. you had to get permission from someone because you needed more money than you typically had as an individual. And that was a right. form of leverage or you needed people and you either needed people to follow you or you yep. needed to be able to pay them in terms that they like, or you needed slave labor, but even then you needed permission from the enforcers. In some right. way you needed permission or these things would be turned on you. But now we live in a world with permissionless forms of leverage. Like this interview, you and I are spending an hour together and- mm -hmm. 100,000 people could listen to this, but it only took us the one hour. That is, that's right. that's I still get downloads from a podcast I did in 2015. That's leverage. <laughs> that's leverage. That's years ago now. That's almost 10 years ago. And I still, that hour right. is still levered. And then the same thing with robots and software is a form of robot. It's just one built with ones and zeros and lives in a server. And a that's lot of people, cool. like you say, with the leverage, um, a lot of people are figuring out, like, if I work eight hours a day, then I... Selling my time only gets me this much money. That's but here's right. the other thing too, is that anytime you do something now and it's uh, offline robots is still a bit safer because there's yeah. a material uh, barrier of entry. But generally speaking, if you do something over like more than three times, more than 10, 20 times, software can be created or robotics can be made to do the same thing, right? They have robots that are helping harvest plants. And this is where, like you talk about, we need these different forms of leverage. And now it's not about trading time for money. It's about what problem do we need to solve? And I think keeping really focused on the fundamentals. And what I mean by the fundamentals is after, I think it was World War II, 
I think it was maybe World War One or World War Two. There was a big thing called Victory Gardens in the states, and that was because they were afraid of food shortages, and they were inviting every, encouraging everyone to set up little gardens at home. And I think that we need to go back to that. Well, you talk about multiple streams of income, but not just income, multiple ways of creating value. I think you're going to need the central like bank that. digital currency. You're going to need some crypto. You're going to need some cash. But you might need some commodities. You might. How need do you leverage your time, and how do you leverage your ability to make money? That's why people don't want to work 40 hours, 50 hours plus a week. I can, I don't know, I forgot the guy's name. He says, I made $400,000 in one day in 22 hours, three hours. Okay. How do you tell a guy that works eight hours a week on a job that he's not making near that? That's, a, that's just that's disheartening to people. That's why you have to know how to leverage your time and leverage your skills because your skills can be leveraged. Yeah, I can spend an hour with this skill, make $100,000, spend an uh, hour with this skill and make another $100,000. But I did it because I had the ability to leverage my skill. I had the ability, the ability to leverage my time. Time is the other part of it that you alluded to. Right. My time isn't working for somebody eight hours. My time is working two hours here, two hours there, and I made a million dollars in two in a month because I was able to leverage my time and money. Yep. See, they don't teach us that in school. What do they teach you in school? Learn a career, go graduate, get a degree, get a job, stay at somebody's job for 25 years, retire, and then what after that? Well, Whatever yeah. happens. And that, that's, that's I, think, I think the universities are going through what newspapers and the music industry went through in that sense. Because yep. the, the education industry was inherited. I think it was the Persians. They created yes. a system. There was some king, and he was concerned about not having the military might he needed. So they created a training process to train up soldiers for the role and build oh. an army. And that was copied for factories to create factories. That's why you have a factory bell tell you when your brakes are. You are exactly right. Yes, right? sir. That right. is 100,000% right. The goal of school was to prepare you to give you a skill for the workforce. They weren't prepared to create millionaires. That's why these kids have a different attitude than we did when we were in school. They're like, I don't get it. Why should I go get a job and work eight hours plus and then you only pay me this much when I know that I have a lot of skill and I should make more money? Then was the other thing, Gerald, you had to compete against other people for that job so they could lowball everybody on salaries because they you don't want this job. I got 30 other guys with resume right. in the hallway standing right. behind you the job. And that's a motivation de-booster, okay? Yeah. <laughs> so... You really, and I now I want to talk out of both sides of my mouth. You should use school as an apprenticeship to build your empire, not to get a job and work for somebody else. I had to figure this out until after I got a PhD. And the PhD did open doors for me, but I could have did everything I'm doing now without it. I fell into the security trap. If I get more educated, I'm more secure. No, you get more educated to add a skill to your arsenal of skills to leverage it, to use it to make money. Right. That's what you use education for, leveraging yeah. skills to make more money for yourself. Yes. And they don't like teaching this in school because you're, it's like the matrix. You break that pattern if you teach them. I remember my dear funny story real quick. My boss, when I was graduating from school, he says, what do you want to do after you graduate? I said, I want to be a millionaire. He says, no, seriously. I said, no, I want to be a millionaire. <laughs> and he looked at me. I swear to God, Daryl, I never forgot to get this. He goes, that's just not possible. I said, why not? Yeah. And he just, 
remember he's a college professor. That's what he knew. Yeah. But sometimes you have to not tell people what you want to be because people are discouraged. You have the discouragement fraternity. Yeah. Because they never did it. Because yeah. I haven't done it. I'm qualified to tell you that you can't do it, right? And I didn't resent my professor. I think he was being like a father figure. But I didn't like what he said, so I did something about it. Okay. I I still want to be a millionaire and I'm close to being there. But however, what if I would have listened to him? Right. I would have took a job at a university, being a college professor, making eighty or ninety, cush job. But that's not me. Yep. I'm an entrepreneur, it's in my blood. And I love what you said because specialized skills, like you said, specialization comes in learning multiple skills and how they combine in unique ways. You hit on something I think is really important. And that yeah. if a university can train you and certify, if anyone has a training program that can train you and certify you, there's no job security in that then because there's a systemized process to get a hundred right. people just like you. That's and right. so where your knowledge, where your, where the safety comes through is specialization, where you learn and follow your passions in multiple fields and those specialized skills combine in unique methods and ways that are unique to you. And if you combine that, like ikigai you combine that with what people are willing to pay for and you apply that's leverage right. that's a really powerful exactly. we don't teach people in school and i tell my students this because i still dab around on the university i say listen when you graduate with a degree tell me what you're an expert in don't tell me you have a master's degree don't tell me you have a phd what are you an expert in and when i ask them that question i never get a good answer because they're an expert in going to school not being an expert in accounting, not being an expert in fraud, not being an expert in forensic accounting or forensic economics. And that's because we don't develop experts. We develop people with college degrees and they're not an expert. Yeah. Yeah. So well said. Anthony, I want to be respectful of your time. I know we're coming up on our limit here. Before I get into the yeah, wrap up, is there, is there anything? I know we could, we could make this like a Rogan and go four hours. I know we could. <laughs> oh, right. Well, is there anything I haven't asked you yet that I could have, I should have asked you? No, probably. Maybe you could ask me about what I think is the, the new big thing, but I think we already talked about that. Okay. You said AI is the big thing that's killing people's spirit or whatever, but you've been good. You asked me pretty much what you need to ask me. I'm good. Yeah. Okay. So if people want to keep the conversation going, if they want to know more, where's the best place to reach out to you? Your website, LinkedIn, anything else? You can reach me on LinkedIn, the Anthony Miles. You can reach me in my email. I can give my email. Is that okay? Sure. Yeah. Sure. Dmiles at mbicorpventures.com. Reach me there. I'm on Twitter and I'm also, I don't really mess with Facebook. I'm on Twitter. Yeah. I say WhatsApp. Yeah. And email. But I enjoyed it, man. I've been waiting to talk about this stuff for about a month now. <laughs> yeah. I know. I know. Both of us, it felt like the floodgates just opened up. Like just. I know. Yeah, I know, but I, I can't preach enough to tell people, just don't be an employee. Always have, have a side hustle. Because I, I'm speaking for a testimonial, my second daughter was just born. I got downsized from my job at the bank. And I said, I'm never going to let somebody tell me yeah. that I don't have a job. Yeah. I'm always going to make money, have multiple streams of income. Yeah. Until you get that wake-up call, and we got a lot of age discrimination right now, yeah. You hit your 60s, people can discriminate against you and say, I can hire two guys for your salary and save money. I don't have to pay health care. 
and people really need to really reevaluate their situations at their job. Yeah. They not to like having a new house you just bought and you got and you get laid off and getting downsized. Yeah. That if you have been downsized, you still a rookie. You still have no one that's like it. I know what that's like. And I'll never let somebody put me in that position again because you know what's not good is one stream of income, which yes. is a job. Yep. You should have multiple streams of income. You're you should have at least five streams. And those four streams should take up for that one that you lost, which is your job. Yeah. But how do you tell people that they've been in a matrix? Been uh, yeah. years in school, get graduate with a college degree and go get a good job. That paradigm is changing, whether people like it or not. Yeah. It's really changing. And so we gotta do something different. Yeah, I, I agree. appreciate you letting me say that. <laughs> yeah, no, I appreciate it. I, I feel the same way. I feel like right now it's about how, making sure you got food and water that you've got right. like your own. Look what happened to toilet paper, right? So food, water, get out of debt as best you can. Bad debt. If it's a debt that you have because what you bought, so I forget who said this. Maybe it was Rich Dad, like Robert Kiyosaki, but I think he said, yeah. I wanted to get a Ferrari. I bought the apartment that made the Ferrari payment. So that's a form of debt. That's a good debt. Get out of bad debt. Absolutely. And invest I, in oh, growing your sales and income. Yeah, absolutely. We're training people to get in debt. Anything that you pay for every month is not an asset. That new Jeep you bought, that new Lexus you bought, that yeah. new Mercedes. If you make your payments on it, it's not an asset. It's yeah. a liability. 100%. And we get too many liabilities and not enough assets. So you, I like the philosophy there. Why don't you go buy an apartment building and then Go pay cash for Alexis after the first month's rent got turned into you. Right. Don't think like that, America, do we? Same thing. How many people have nice gardens and it's just flowers? Grow something yep. you can sell, right? Grow exactly. something you can sell. <laughs> Unfortunately, in America, we don't. We have people that don't have, they call it employee thinking versus entrepreneurial thinking. Employee thinking is you take what they give you. Entrepreneurial thinking is, no, I want more than what you're giving me. I want more. I want to know how the guys able to give it to me so I can give it more to myself. You want yeah. to make $100,000, you don't go get a job making $100,000. You go find you five revenue streams that make you $20,000 each, and there's your $100,000 a year. Yeah, 100%. You don't think like that. Absolutely. 100%. I love that. I love that so much. Everyone listening, go find out more. Go look them up. You can email them at dmiles, M-I-L-E-S, at M-D-I. C-O-R-P-B-E-N-T-U-R-E-S, midicorpventures.com. You can also look him up on LinkedIn, D. Anthony Miles, PhD. And if you want to find him on Twitter, it's D. Anthony, PhD, A-N-T-H-O-N-Y. Anthony, it's an honor and a pleasure to have you back. We'll probably have to do a third call. This one was just so good. So we got so much more to say. So thank yeah, you. Yeah, for- maybe next time we can do employee thinking versus entrepreneurial thinking. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I think people probably get their money's worth out of that because we got too many employees that think, no, you need to think like an entrepreneur. 100%. And, well, that, that's our show within itself right there. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate you, man. Thank you so much. Man, knowing that. appreciate you, boss. Yeah. I appreciate you. We'll be in touch. <laughs> All righty. Have a good one, man. Thank you so much for allowing me to come back. We've got a lot to talk about. Appreciate you.